We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. NBA Eastern Conference win total over under bets for all 15 teams coming up on the other side. You're listening to the Rotowire Fantasy Basketball Podcast. All right. Electric intro. Uh, I am Nick Whalen, joined not by Alex Perutha on this Monday, but uh, by my good friend James Anderson. Uh, James, you and I have hosted a ton of podcasts together over the years. Uh, you do most of your work on the baseball side for us here at Rotowire, uh, but you are deeply ingrained in the NBA as well. And this has got to be, what, our sixth or seventh year in a row now uh, doing these NBA win total bets for each team? Yeah, that sounds about right. Uh Definitely a, a really fun uh, couple of episodes here. Um, the lines are as hard as ever. I <laughs> felt like there were just so many tough calls this year, as there always are, but uh, excited to get into it with you. Yeah, we'll be doing the Eastern Conference today. Uh, we'll have a separate episode covering the Western Conference prior to opening night next week, so keep an eye out for that uh, right here. You can find it live on Twitter, live on the Rotowire NBA YouTube page. Please make sure you like and subscribe there. Uh, you can find it in the Rotowire Fantasy Basketball podcast feed as well. Uh, yeah, you, you mentioned it overall, James. I feel like there are fewer teams that we could pick on this season compared to years past. Like for, for so long, you know, I would just look at the Kings on a wonder. Uh, you know, the Charlotte Hornets for me were just an auto wonder. Uh, you know, Orlando in that territory. Philly went through some days where they were in that territory. Like, I do think we saw some of this last year, uh, although, you know, teams like Houston were still, you know, struggling to, to get to 20 wins. Detroit was a 17 team or a 17 win team a year ago, but there's so much talent. There's so much, you know, general parity in the league right now. Like every year, there's, there's always going to be one or two teams that are hanging around 20 wins. But I, I had a hard time, you know, trying to find the, the, the true basement teams this year because even those teams that we don't feel that good about those teams that are two, three, four years away from competing, all, all those teams have guys. They, they have high upside young players who could ultimately win them more games than we think. Yeah. And I think the, the flattening of the, the lottery odds and the play in tournament have both really kind of worked as, as well as the NBA could have probably hoped mm-hmm. in terms of just kind of curbing the straight up, hardcore tanking uh there will be inevitably a few teams that stand out as kind of obvious bottom three bottom five teams but um just so many teams where you could make a case something goes right they're in the play-in so that makes it tough uh should we get right into it james Uh, do you have any other preambles you want to get out there otherwise we will begin with the atlanta hawks and we'll go alphabetically through the east 
Yeah, let's do it. All right, let's start with Atlanta. 41 win team a year ago. Uh, line sits at 41 and a half. Uh, James, I know you're going over. This was a tough one for me right off the bat, but I'm going over as well. But I'll, I'll give you the four. What pushed you over uh, for the Atlanta Hawks? Again, the number 41 and a half. Uh, I think it really is a over that is based on Quinn Snyder getting a full offseason um, to kind of put his mark on this team. He is probably one of the five to seven best regular season coaches, in my opinion, uh, based on his track record with the Jazz. And there's as much talent on this roster as I think there was on really any of those Jazz teams. Um, there might be more talent in the NBA as a whole than there were maybe six, seven years ago. Uh, but I, I just think there's enough talent here that Quinn Snyder is going to get um, as good of a shot diet as this team's ever seen where we've always kind of lamented uh, the lack of, of spacing uh, despite the fact they have Trey young, they don't take as many threes as you would like. I think Quinn Snyder will um, make a, an emphasis or put an emphasis on getting up uh, as many threes as possible. It's, it is kind of a clunky fit still with, Trey Young and DeJounte Murray to me, especially from a spacing standpoint. Murray off the ball isn't that great. Um, we'll see how much Trey Young moves off the ball. Um, that's always been a, a huge weakness of his. But uh, I just I see enough in terms of the, the front court defensive anchors in Capella and Okongwu. And you know, Trey Young is is probably to the point where he's a bit underrated as a regular season player. Um mm-hmm at this point. So uh, it's, it's mostly a bet on Quinn Snyder for me. Yeah. You kind of forget Quinn Snyder only had 21 games with this team at the end of last season. And, you know, at that point coming in toward the end of the year, you're trying to push for, for a play in spot. It's tough to kind of fully put your mark on that team, but Atlanta was still top 10 in offense last season. The defense obviously slipped. They were bottom 10 there, but I think you like your chances of improving if Capella stays healthy. I hope we see more of a Yucca Kongwu finally this year. I think getting John Collins out of there should help. You know, part of the reason that I ultimately went over, and I think this one will be close. Like Atlanta to me is probably a 39 to 43 win team. That's right where they've sat the last few years, basically since Trey Young has taken over this team. But Trey Young, like you said, he's a better, he's a better regular season player than people realize. He's a better fantasy player than people realize. And part of the reason for that is he plays a ton of games, which doesn't really add up. You know, with his his stature, I mean, he's what like six three, one eighty. Um, doesn't seem like somebody who'd be that durable, but he's a 70 to 75 game player. DeJounte Murray has been healthy, played 74 games a year ago, but Capella's kind of bounced back from the injury issues that he's had. So I, I do worry a little bit about some of the depth on this team. Like I, I don't love when you get beyond their top six or seven, but there also aren't that many teams in the league that are super deep where you feel great about, you know, spots seven, eight, nine, ten on that roster. And I, I think the players that matter on this team have for the most part stayed healthy. So that was one of the big reasons that pushed me toward the over. Yeah, it's, it's a good call referencing that the games played with with Trey and I I really do hope that this, this is the Akangwu breakout year. Uh Capella is just, you know, he's been good enough that he rightfully is still uh kind of gotten close to to a full starter's workload, yeah. but um I do think Akangwu talent-wise is one of the best young uh defensive bigs in the league. Mm. 
Yeah, we'll get into this with some of the other teams, uh, probably as soon as we talk about the Celtics and the Milwaukee Bucks. But like motivation is also a factor. You know, I think you especially worry about those teams that are so focused on winning the finals. Uh, that's not Atlanta to me. And I think they're going to have to try to win as many games as they can because they don't want to be in that play-in zone, right? Like if they want to be the, the five, yeah. six, seven seed in the East, like it's it's going to matter. Like I think Milwaukee, it's like, are you really going to push to, to win 57, 58 games when as long as you're above that, you know, that top four line where you're getting home court, um, you're okay with that. But like, I, I think Atlanta is kind of in that perfect zone where they're going to have to push for, for 82 games because I, I don't think you want to be in that play-in zone again. Yep. All right, let's go to the Brooklyn Nets. 45 wins a year ago. The number sits down at 37 and a half. I, I, this was tough for me at first. And the more I dug into it, like I, I like a lot of indi- individual pieces on this Nets roster. I also don't know that this is a top six, seven, eight team in the East. Uh, we'll see on McCall Bridges. I think he might be better in fantasy than he is in real life. This was a team that was 11 and 13 after the all-star break last season. The Nets do owe their first round pick to Houston. That, that was something that I, I had to take into consideration here just because there's not, there's not a lot of outright motivation to tank. But I also don't think this team is like you know, bottom three in the Eastern Conference where that would factor in all that much anyway. Um, this is all to say I'm going under on the Brooklyn Nets, despite this number coming in quite a bit lower than last year's win total. Yeah, I'm going under as well. Uh, I, I'm with you on, on liking um, some of the pieces here. And I do think the, the Nets' future is uh, fairly bright, considering the amount of high-end talent that's gone out the door recently. But And I especially like the way Bridges... Cam Johnson and Claxton complement each other long term in the front court. Like that's a really nice three through five. Um, you know, Ben Simmons, it, it's kind of like, you know, if he's bad, then they're paying max money to a guy who's not helping them win. But if he's playable, you know, if if he's you know good enough to deserve 28, 32 minutes a game then whenever you have Simmons and Claxton out there together, you're playing two just absolute zeros from a shooting standpoint. Mm. And Johnson and Bridges are, are really good shooters, but uh, I do think the spacing would become quite a bit of an issue there. So, uh, you know, all these teams are going to be trying their best to, to try to, you know, make the playoffs uh, at worst, make the play in. There's a lot of teams with with similar talent to me in the East to the Nets, similar or superior talent, and I think the pieces just fit a bit more better or a bit uh, a bit better for most of the other teams. Really, mm-hmm. um, this just doesn't seem like it's a it's a roster, and it obviously wasn't. You know, they they kind of had to take back Simmons and the Harden deal and everything. Um, it's not a roster that that fits mm-hmm. all that well, um, especially when you look at the backcourt. So. I think they're going to just do the best they can in the first half of the season. But when we get to the trade deadline, you know, if they're, if their kind of best case scenario is, is pushing for like the nine seed or the 10 seed, uh, you know, maybe we see them trade someone like a Dorian Finney Smith or something like that. Mm-hmm. So um, I just, I just don't like the way the pieces fit that, you know, for, for this year specifically, uh, long-term, I like it. I, I love Bridges. I love Johnson. I love Claxton. But uh, the fact that your point guard and your center are two of the worst shooters in the league is is a bit of a problem. 
Yeah, the, the Simmons factor is really interesting because for the most part, it's been encouraging in the preseason. I mean, I'm not I'm not close to buying back in on Ben Simmons quite yet, but I think the mindset at least seems to be uh, more aggressive than, than the the version of him that we saw at times last season. But I, I'm not really even factoring that into the equation all that much. Like if he if he's back to being Ben Simmons from three years ago, then yeah, that's a big positive. But I also don't think you can count on that uh, getting that night in and night out, even if we see flashes of it. Depth is a major concern here, right? And, you know, McCall Bridges is an 82-game player. That's big. You know, but beyond that, like Spencer Dinwiddie kind of goes every other year as far as whether he's healthy. Obviously, we know with Ben Simmons, Claxton's missed time early in his career. Cam Johnson's been banged up. Like, this is a team that beyond that top five, I mean, you get into, like, Cam Thomas is going to be playing real minutes. You know, Lonnie Walker, uh, Royce O'Neal, you know, is kind of at a, a different point in his career. Like, Darius Baisley is, is your third uh, forward off the bench. Like, they, they do not have a lot of reliable depth here whatsoever so i i do think you could count on bridges to stay healthy but other than that like if you lose nick claxton for 15 games at some point uh that's a lot of day ron sharp uh at center so that's that's part of the equation for me like if you could guarantee me that the nets stay pretty healthy then yeah they could get to 38 39 wins they could be the seven or eight seed in the east but to me i i think they they kind of settle like where the pacers were last year where they they have some some like really good months you know where they they, they might look like they're going to be a 500 team but ultimately they're probably 34 35 wins yeah, I think I think gravity just takes them there. And, you know, we're not we can't go over on like there's a lot of teams in the East where I think you can make a, a strong case for the over. Mm-hmm. Um, this just seems like one where like, is this team really going to push to get the nine seed or the 10 seed when they could get maybe a, a first round pick for, for one or two of their guys at the yeah. deadline? I just I don't really think so. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, the Boston Celtics, James. 57 wins a year ago. Uh, We're getting the number at 54 and a half. Uh, I alluded to it earlier. I mean, Boston, Milwaukee, uh, you know, even Cleveland is kind of in that zone right now. Like these teams that have been good in the regular season for a while, it, it becomes really tough. And I, I think over and over again, like the, the more kind of title runs that you make, the more you see some, some kind of year over year fatigue in the regular season, some malaise as far as how much you care about winning those regular season games. We saw it with Boston, you know, two years ago, especially they, they were terrible through the first half of the year and then turned it on. Uh, where do you come in on 54 and a half for the Celtics? Man, I could, I could really go either way here. I I was sort of hoping that you would go under so that I could hear your case and you could maybe convince me to go under. Um, I, I feel like I got to go over just given the amount of talent um, 
on the roster, especially the mm-hmm. the high end talent. You know, they're they're one through five, one through six is probably the best in the league. Um, you know, I, I I know some people like you know guys like Pritchard, guys like Hauser to to maybe sort of take a step forward as as really solid rotation players. Now they'll be given that chance. Um, you know, the health of Porzingis, I think, is kind of the biggest yes. factor, not only for just this team's regular season win total, but the title odds in general, like whether or not Chris Epps Porzingis can be healthy for most of the regular season and ideally all of the postseason. So much hinges on that for Boston. And he obviously is coming off the, the best year of his career, but he was doing that in very low stress games. Um, you know, I, I don't know how good of a coach Joe Missoula is. I don't really think anyone knows yet. He was put into such a kind of an unprecedented situation last year, given his uh, inexperience and just when he was handed that job. Um, so I don't, I kind of am viewing him as just sort of a, a neutral coach. And then you do kind of have to manage like, for some reason, it seems like Al Horford uh, takes it personally, the idea that he might be kind of put on ice a bit during the regular season. Um, you know, I, I don't think Drew Holiday is going to want to be a, a sixth man all year. So there is kind of that shuffling of, of egos and what makes sense mm-hmm. in the starting lineup and that type of thing. Um, you know, Derek White, like, is he, how's he going to respond to the idea of Drew Holiday coming in? Um but at the end of the day, I mean, there's just so much high-end talent here. Uh, and I do think – I think the Bucks are going to win a lot of games, and I think the Celtics are going to want to at least try to keep pace with the Bucks with home court advantage on the mind. Um, you know, if, if it gets to the point where the Celtics are running away with the one seed or the Bucks are running away with the one seed, that probably impacts how the other team is using their players down the stretch. But just talent-wise – Barring a, a catastrophic injury, I think they, they got to get to mid-50s. So the, the keeping up with Milwaukee thing, I'm glad you brought that up. That was part of my thinking as well. Is I, I, I think you know we, we were just talking about how these teams tend to take it easy in the regular season when it's finals or bust. But I think the one seed is really important in the Eastern Conference this year. And I, I think both these teams know it. I think they know they're on a collision course. And I, I think you want to get those first two games at home and you want four out of seven at home in a potential Eastern Conference final series. So that's, that's part of the reason I, I, I like the over here. Um, you know, you, you mentioned the Horford question, like the guy's 37. All right. Like you, you, if they, if they make the finals, he'll turn 38 during the NBA finals next year. You know, not only is that a concern, but you also shipped out Robert Williams as, as part of the holiday deal. So you're depending really heavily on a 37 year old center and a guy in Porzingis who for the most part has played like 45 to 55 games throughout his career. I, I don't love the depth behind those guys. It's, it's Luke Cornette. It's Wenyan Gabriel who, Gave the, the Lakers just horrific minutes in the playoffs last year. Uh, they brought in O'Shea Brissett. Uh, you know, these, these are not guys you can really depend on night to night. With all that said, I mean, the, the, the top five or six for this team is overwhelming. I mean, it, it's right up there with Milwaukee, if not better. And Jason Tatum is, is the rare star who plays 75 games a year, right? I mean, most stars are, are in the 65 to 70 range at this point, if not lower. And Tatum, for the most part, has been 70 to 75 games throughout his career. And if, if, if he's in the lineup, if Jalen Brown, you know, some combination of Jalen Brown, Drew Holiday, Chris Stapps, Porzingis, and Derek White are in the lineup for 85% of the Celtics games, then I think by default that they're going to clean up uh, on a lot of nights. So this was a tough one for me. I mean, 
obviously you could see either Boston or Milwaukee winning like 61 games. It's just, do they want to, do, do they feel like they need to push for that? And I do think the, the rivalry between those two teams uh, does result in a slightly elevated win total last year, by the way, James uh, was the first time in 18 seasons that a team failed to win 60 games. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that that's just going to be kind of the new normal. Um, yeah. I could, you know, I could see the Celtics or the Bucks or, maybe the nuggets or maybe the suns like if they just have a a awesome season from a health standpoint they have enough talent to get to 60 plus but mm. you know all it takes is really just any of their best players missing 25 games and it's kind of out the window there's also just not that many freebies anymore right i mean like last year you had detroit you felt like all right you're, you're beating them nine out of ten times maybe Charlotte, but even like the second worst team in the East last year still won 27 games. Like you, you don't have these two or three bottom feeders who just feel like an automatic win for a team like Milwaukee or Boston. Yeah. Yep. All right. Let's go to the Charlotte Hornets. Speaking of them, 27 wins a year ago, the number is up at 30 and a half. Uh, this was a pretty easy under for me, James. <laughs> um, you know, it, I've, I've heard, some smart people say that it's like an easy over uh, i have as well I, that I might have been you know i that. think a lot of that kind of was pre this sort of most recent round of uh criminal issues with miles bridges um but who among us has not thrown billiards balls at our at our girlfriend's <laughs> car like I, i'm not i'm not gonna sit here and say i've never done that um i mean you just i I'll, i'm kind of looking at this like i don't really expect him to play um uh, I, I don't know it's it's definitely at best it's up in the air right um you know a lot of people are referencing how good they were a couple seasons ago uh during that that miles bridges breakout year um but you know guys like gordon hayward are a couple years older terry rozier a couple years older uh lamello ball you know i just <laughs> He's he's had stretches where he's been a a big time driver of efficient offense, uh, but I just I don't know I don't know if he's he I don't think he's that type of guy that just automatically lifts a bad roster to a certain level. Um, I think he could kind of get dragged down um, on a bad roster because he's not um, necessarily making a ton of winning plays, uh, especially on the defensive end. So. I just don't know if you're getting much out of Hayward this year, given his track record. Rozier was was pretty bad last year. Brandon Miller, even if he ends up having a great career, you know, I don't think you should expect him to have like a better rookie season than maybe like Keegan Murray had last year or something like that. That might be like his ceiling in terms of just how much he's impacting winning. And, you know, Mark Williams, I know people are excited about him, but is he actually going to be, you know, a, a big positive in terms of wins and losses this year? Um, I just, I, I don't really see it. And again, you know, we, we can't go over on all these teams. And I just think there's such a clear notch below, you know, even these sort of teams like the Nets and the Bulls and the Pacers that I just think by the time we get to February, there's just not, there's going to be more incentive for them to be losing games than to be winning games at that point. And I, I think Steve Clifford's a good coach, uh, but I just, I don't think there's enough here on the roster for him to work with. Mm -hmm. 
I, I think the easy argument is, oh, you know, LaMelo Ball missed so much time last year. By default, you know, if he plays 65, 70 games, that'll improve things. The Hornets were 13 and 23 with LaMelo in the lineup last season. I mean, that's a basically a 29 win pace. So that, that puts you close to the 30 and a half. But I, I think people talk about him like they were, you know, winning 60% of their games when he was in the lineup. Like, it, like you said, he drives efficient offense. He, he creates, uh, you know, creates baskets in the half court. But I, I don't know that he's a, an overwhelmingly winning player at this point in his career. And I think health is a real concern. I mean, that the ankle injury uh, is something that he, what he tweaked two separate times after the initial injury. Like, I, I don't think we could just pencil yeah. him back in for 75 games. I mean, the miles bridges thing, I don't know what's going to happen there. I, they, they seem to kind of be dragging their feet on that. I don't know if you're waiting for the league to step in, but that's not something that I want to put in my back pocket and say, all right, miles bridges is back. Now that'll help. If he is back, that that is big. And he's playing like himself from two years ago. That's a, a massive improvement for the Hornets, but I, I don't think we could count on that at this point in time. Um, and if you take the Bridges thing away, like where, where did this team improve from last season? Other than expecting more games out of LaMelo ball. Like I I'm completely 50, 50 on whether Brandon Miller is going to have a great NBA career. I have no idea too early to say he's, he's not going to be a positive player in year one. Like I, I think you could say he'll have a bigger impact than Keegan Murray, but I think you know, he'll put up better numbers, but he'll be a bigger negative. Like Keegan Murray's kind of a winning player just by virtue of who he is. Like Brandon Miller you know, the, the score first wing, like those guys are rarely, you know, improving your wins in year one. Like those, those are guys who make a big impact later in their careers, but I think he's going to go through ups and downs. There's going to be obligation to play him. Right. And I think that might hurt them. Gordon Hayward, you know, to be a complete question mark, anything you get out of him has to be viewed as a bonus. And then, you know, beyond those guys, you start getting into some, uh, again, really unreliable depth. That's a characteristic of these bottom three to five teams at each conference is, you know, how much does Nick Smith play? How much does Cody Martin, who basically missed all of last season, is he back in the mix? Mark Williams, I'm, I'm kind of with you on him. Like, I think he's a neutral. I, I don't think he's a, a glaring positive by any means. I, I thought he was fine last year. Like, it was about what you'd expect from a mid-first round pick. But, uh, you know, not somebody that I see taking a massive step forward in year two. Yeah, and, and again, with, with Bridges, you know, he's on a one-year deal. If the Hornets are just kind of sick of this, that there's no there's no sort of way that this could pay off for them by like sticking with this guy through all this like they right. don't get him next year on a team friendly deal he's a free agent after the year so um i just think most things are pointing towards that just kind of ending and um i would love for lamello to just have a a healthy season where he's great for fantasy and just doesn't doesn't really help the team win that much um, but I, I do think it's worth just kind of pointing out. Yeah. Like, you know, maybe we do have to kind of look at his durability, you know, look at his bloodlines and, and all the issues Lonzo dealt with. Um, you know, it's just, he, you kind of need LaMelo to play like 72 games to have a shot at this over. All right, let's get to the Chicago Bulls. Uh, we got our, our first real disagreement here, James, you're going over on 37 and a half wins for the Bulls. They were a 40 win team last year. I have taken the under. Uh, I will hear out your case first. Well, I just don't see any evidence that this front office is going to admit defeat on this <laughs> core. Very fair. Um, and as long as they just keep everyone on the roster all year, uh, you know, I think they, them winning 40 games last year with the amount of games uh, Caruso played, um, you know, Zach yeah. Levine, it was kind of a tale of two seasons for him. Um, they might get a better, like they might get a better season on the whole from Levine this year. Um, 
you know, I think DeRozan and Vucevic will be just, you know, maybe a slight, slight, slightly less effective than they were last year. But I think, I think they're still kind of um, post prime. And I like, I like the Javon Carter addition for just when Caruso's off the floor, keeping that same level of defensive intensity. I think Billy Donovan is actually kind of a underrated coach. Just how good their defense was last year, given their personnel is just kind of mind blowing. And, uh, Caruso had a had a big part in that, but um, I just think they are going to try to win as many games as possible. They have enough decent players um, to kind of get to around five hundred. Um, there's just you're, I just you're not going to see this team wave the white flag and and trade all of its good players uh, midway through the year. I don't think. Fair point. I, I'm kind of thinking the opposite. I, I don't. I don't think they will fully admit defeat. But you got to Rosen on an expiring deal, and it, it, like, unless like, what what does this team have to be at the trade deadline for them to justify not at least exploring a trade for DeMar DeRozan? <laughs> and I, I look. I, you're you're right. History suggests that they will probably stand pat and win like 41 games and get swept out of the first round. I, I understand that, but I, I think I think there's going to be some pressure to move on from him specifically. Uh, maybe not so much Vucevic or Levine. DeRozan is kind of the obvious guy for me. And you know, I think you take him away from this team and it gets pretty shallow pretty quick. I'm also looking at, you know, Vucevic played 82 games last year. He was one of only three players to start all 82. That was the most he's ever played in his career. Zach Levine played 77 games last season, far and away the most that he's mm-hmm. played uh, in any of the last three or four years. So I, I think you're, you're totally right. Caruso had terrible health luck all year. Um, I, I think he'll, he'll give them more and that's going to help defensively. But I also think Zach Levine probably plays fewer than 70 games. That's what history would suggest. Vucevic has been mostly healthy, but again, probably doesn't get to 82. And I, I don't love a lot of the depth here. You know, they're, they're still hanging on to Kobe White. Ayo DeSumo, you know, he's shown some flashes here and there, but felt like he kind of lost a little bit of steam last season. You know, at, at forward, I'm not a huge Patrick Williams guy. I, I know people are still no. waiting on the Kawhi Leonard breakout. <laughs> no. Maybe this is the year. Maybe this is the year. Uh, but beyond him, it's like, all right, Dale and Terry, who looked okay as a rookie last year. Torrey Craig, Andre Drummond is the backup center. Um, you're, you're totally right. I think motivationally, the Chicago Bulls absolutely plan on going over. They're going to do everything they can to go over. I am betting that they do not get off to the greatest start over the first half. They trade DeRozan, and, and this is a team that falls off, you know, over the final 25 or so games. Yeah, I mean, I it's going to be a who who blinks first out of the Raptors trading <laughs> Siakam and the Bulls trading DeRozan. Um, I, uh, the Raptors I think, are so tough. I can't wait to talk about that one. The, the problem with the idea of trading DeRozan is he's just such a he's such a tough piece to fit in for a contender midseason. Right. Um, like he needs the ball in his hands. He's not a good defender. He doesn't shoot threes. His contract is you need you need a lot of outgoing salary to match the contract. Mm-hmm. So it's just I don't know how many teams are going to be interested in him at the deadline. And like if you're only getting offered <clears throat> some you know, super protected 2028 first or something like that. Maybe they just say it's, it's worth more to them to, to push for the play in um, and get that, that revenue from those games. So uh, I, good points on, on Vucevic and Levine in terms of the games played last year. Um, I don't, I don't feel that confident in it, but I do think if they, you know, if they have just kind of normal health luck with this group and they don't trade anyone, I do think they go over. All right, before we talk about the Cleveland Cavaliers, uh, some sponsorships to pass along here. Underdog Fantasy is the number one platform for best ball leagues, including fantasy basketball. 
Underdogs featured best ball tournament for the upcoming season has $500,000 up for grabs in total prizes. If you have not tried Underdog yet, new Underdog users receive a first-time deposit bonus up to 100 bucks, and you will get a free month, subs- free six-month subscription to rotowire.com if you use the promo code RWNFL at sign up. Again, that promo code is RWNFL. Visit underdogfantasy.com or download the Underdog app today. And again, be sure to use that promo code RWNFL. That'll get you a free six-month subscription to Rotowire as well as that $100 deposit bonus. We're also brought to you by Vivid Seats. The NBA season is just about here. On behalf of our friends at Vivid Seats, let's get one thing clear. Nothing beats seeing your favorite team crush it on the court to the sound of thousands of screaming fans. Every dunk, dribble, and every heart-pounding play of your favorite team live and in person. And because Vivid Seats is the only ticketing company where you can earn rewards on every purchase, you can score amazing deals and unrivaled annual rewards all season long. Plus, with a 100% buyer guarantee, you can be sure your ticket will be as legit as your love for the game. Visit vividseats.com or download their app today and use the promo code ROTOWIRE, R-O-T-O-W-I-R-E. That'll get you $20 off your first purchase of $200 or more on Vivid Seats. Again, that promo code is ROTOWIRE, $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase. Download the app or visit vividseats.com today. Vivid Seats, experience it live. All right, James, on to the Cleveland Cavaliers. 51 wins a year ago. The number fittingly comes in at 50 and a half. We're in a disagreement again. You're going under. I'm going over on the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, what is your case for some a little bit of regression here for the Cavs? Yeah, I mean, I think things went really well for them in the regular season last year. Uh, I don't feel great about this under, but just, you know, you, you touched on it or you've touched on it a couple times, really, just just how much I think a lot of these teams are going to be bunched up. We're not going to see that many teams running away with mid-50s wins. Picking this Cavs team to be one of the very few teams to crack 50 wins to me, I just I don't really see it, I, especially with this Jared Allen injury coming into the year. Um, I know there isn't like a firm timetable of when he'll be ready, uh, but I just think given the nature of his injury, given his size, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he actually didn't play in any games this month. Uh, did you so, forget that they have Tristan Thompson? <laughs> yeah, it's nice to have that that caliber of depth. Um, <laughs> but and and I actually. It's it's weird going under here because I actually think they had one of the better off seasons uh, of any team in the East. I really like the Max Juice and George Niang additions given their needs, especially just from a, a floor spacing standpoint. And I think they're going to be able to run some some really fun smaller lineups when they go with just one big and and try to get four shooters out there. Uh, but you know, I just think all these teams are trying to get better. Um, it's going to be really competitive for those, you know, seeds three, four, five in the East. Uh, I just don't see the Cavs as being kind of, you know, I mean, if you're going over here, you're basically saying they're going to get the the three seed, right? More or less. Yeah. I, I, I think that's where I project them. Yeah. I, I think they probably jump Philly for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I think they could get it. I just, I think they, like, I just think they should have basically the same line as Philly, personally. Um, yeah, but, that's fair. And Philly, for the record, is at 48 and a half. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't love this under, but I just, yeah. I think 
it's a lot for me to just say, yeah, this is definitely a, a 50 plus win team. Yeah. You said what concerns me, which is that it felt like a lot of things went their way last season, especially during the regular season, you know, hitting the ground running like they did. They were eight and one to start the year with Donovan Mitchell. Um, but at, at the same time, like I, I felt like they were healthier than they were like Mitchell Garland, Jared Allen, those guys all played fewer than 70 games. And, you know, maybe that's just how it is in the modern NBA. Like, you know, 68 games is kind of the new 76 games in a lot of ways. So um, I, I don't know that those guys have a ton of upward mobility, but like Garland was dealing with that eye thing on and off early on. Like, I think he should be in a better spot to begin this year. And, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know that adding, you know, Max Struess and George Niang really changes the, the bottom line for the Cavs. I, I don't think that they were, you know, those two guys away from like contending for the title last year. But I also think those two guys make you a much better regular season team. And I think this is still a team that is kind of young enough in its run as a, a pseudo contender here that they care about the regular season. And if they could, if they could push Milwaukee or Boston for the two seed, they're absolutely going to do it. You know, if they could pass Philly for the three seed, I think they, that's something that they, that, that would be an organizational goal. Uh, so I, I don't worry too much about the Cavs, you know, pulling back as the year goes along. I think they're, this is, a, this is a team that's built to be really, really good in the regular season and probably flame out against a team like Boston or Milwaukee in the second or third round of the NBA playoffs. But I, I, I don't really see a ton of holes on this roster other than the Jared Allen thing. And if that, if that's something that drags into, you know, late November, then, then yeah, you're going to have some problems there. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I wonder if maybe they do a bit more kind of experimenting during the regular season with this group than they did yeah. last year. Um, <clears throat> because, you know, when you, they got embarrassed in the playoffs, uh, they're, I would think they're going to be using the regular season to try to get ready for the playoffs. You know, last year it was sort of that it was kind of like a honeymoon type of season where it was yeah. just like, man, this is, this is a ton of fun. Uh, think how great we're going to be in a couple of years, that type of thing. They can't have that type of an exit this year again in the first round. Um, so maybe they, they do some, some different stuff with the lineup during the regular season where winning every single game isn't quite as important, but um you know, I think it's it's good to point out those guys did miss more time than you might realize. Um, mm -hmm. But I, I think I really do think like just the Max Struess addition, like, and who knows what uh, he looks like away from Miami. Right. Sometimes guys just kind of leave that that culture, and it's just it's different. But um, I do think Struess could really help them in in the right postseason matchup, mm -hmm. um, just because that. Whatever they were getting, whether it was a Coro or Levert from that yeah. fifth starter spot last year, was just it was really tough to overcome that. I, I can't believe they brought Levert back. Like I, I thought Struce and Yang meant all right, no more Levert, and yet he's still on this team. I, he is not a good player. Uh, but that, that's the other thing. It's like it's not not only are you bringing in Struce and Yang, it's like what are you replacing? You're you're replacing a guy who was being left open more than literally anyone in the league last season in the corner in a Coro, and you know, you're subbing in two of the best kind of spot up role player shooters in the NBA like that that to me is where they could make a big jump offensively they were 24th in three-point attempts last season I think that'll skyrocket this was also the best defensive team in the league in terms of defensive rating a year ago and I think if, if you want to throw one more point out there for the over I, I, I'm not I'm not a big believer in the, in the idea that Evan Mobley is going to like jump to becoming a superstar all of a sudden I, I think he's just going to keep incrementally getting there until you know three four years from now we, we talk about him as a top 20 guy uh, but but that that potential is there right like I think Evan Mobley making some sort of monster third year leap, especially if they put, they play without Jared Allen for the first month. Um, that, that to me is, is you know, kind of the, the big differentiator that could take them from a 47, 48 win team to a 53, 54 win team. Well, and I, I would, you know, kind of 
if I were playing kind of counterpoint there, though, I, I think it makes a ton of sense to give him as many opportunities to try to develop offensively during the regular season because yeah. he just he wasn't ready for that in the playoffs. But I do think if you are giving him more opportunities where he's the guy, you know, on the short roll or something where Garland and Mitchell aren't the sort of play finisher, um, like I do think that might hurt them actually. Like, so mm -hmm. while you're developing Mobley's offensive game, it yeah. might not show up in a positive way in the, in the wins and loss call. All right. Thank goodness, James, that we decided to just do the East today because we are we are just plotting through this. Uh, we'll, we'll try to mow through these uh, right. some of these middle ones a little bit faster. No, there's too, too many good points being made here. Um, all right. Detroit, the Detroit Pistons, 17 wins a year ago. The numbers all the way up at 27 and a half. Of course, the return of Kate Cunningham uh, provides a big boost here for Detroit. But you and I are not buying it. We're both going under. Yeah. Apologies to to Shannon McEwen, yep. but uh, this was one of the easier ones for me in the East. Um, I just, I just don't think the roster makes any sense. Um, you got like what, I, why they have all these big men, uh, yeah. continues to elude me. I, I have no idea what the point of it is. Uh, you probably should only be playing one of them at a time. And yet you have significant resources tied up into four of them. And, uh, I just think that's a huge mess. I think anytime you're playing Isaiah Stewart at the four, or Marvin Bagley at the four, it's just going to be really ugly. Uh, Asar Thompson and Jay Nivey both have, you know, debatably bright futures, but they're not going to help you win games this year uh, as a first year player for Thompson, second year player for Ivy. Alec Burks was one of their best players last year. I don't think he plays nearly as much this year for good reason, but that's that's going to hurt their effectiveness. And, you know, the, the only way I could really see them going over here is if Cade Cunningham takes a big-time leap, you know, not, not into kind of like fringe All-Star consideration, but like kind of he has to be on the All-Star team consideration because I just don't see – any other way, just given how poorly the rest of these pieces fit. He, he would need to make like the SGA leap. Right. And I think that's a lot to ask coming off of the injury, uh, given who's around him. Like this is such a strangely constructed team from top to bottom. Like that, not only do you have like all these kind of castaways uh, at center, but like Joe Harris is on this roster for some reason. Yeah, you mentioned Alec Burks, like Monty Morris is, I guess, technically your backup point guard. I know there's been some whispers about like, you know, could they move him? Is he somebody that's even going to be, a major rotation piece as they try to, you know, make some sort of final judgment on Killian Hayes. Um, yeah, it's, it, it's, it's a roster. I think this is, there's going to be a lot of fun nights, like watching this team. Like I, I like a lot of these guys individually. I'm really excited uh, about what a star Thompson could be. He's shown some flashes already in the preseason, but you're right. He's not going to be a winning player in year one. Very few rookies are, especially guys with his pedigree. Um, you know, Jay Nivey might came off the bench. I, I, I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing. Um, you know, Boyan Boganovich is, is still on this team for some reason. I, I, I do think they're in a good position as far as being able to sell off some of these assets. Like a lot of those veteran names that I mentioned probably aren't going to make it through the season on this team and they'll be able to recruit some sort of value there. But yeah, I, I don't like how the pieces fit. I, you know, I would like to see James Wiseman kind of get one last chance, but this is for as bad as the Pistons are, you know, you, a player like that, you want him to go to a rebuilding team. Like 
he's like they, they've already said like one of Bagley and Wiseman won't be in the rotation. It's like okay, great. Like that's for for two reclamation projects. Like that's a terrible idea. Um, you know, Isaiah Stewart in theory, you know, is a, is a better shooter than he's given credit for. He could kind of space the floor, but still not a great shooter. You have a, a complete non-shooter in Jalen Duran. You have somewhat of a non-shooter in Asar Thompson. Uh, and even Kate Cunningham has not been a, a great three-point shooter in terms of percentage uh, based on what we've seen from him uh, when healthy. So I, I'm i very high on Kate Cunningham. I, I understand why there's some optimism here with Detroit, but I think we're going to look back like a month into the season and be like, wow, this team is like 4-12 and 12, uh, to begin the year, maybe even worse. Yeah, I think there's going to be a, um, a very clear push and pull here between Troy Weaver and Monty Williams because – Monty Williams coming in was an ownership decision and they haven't gotten rid of Troy Weaver yet, but you know, if, if Monty Williams just had free will to try to win as many games with this group as possible and not give any entitlement minutes to the young guys, Mm -hmm. I think they would get over here, but like Joe Harris, Alec Burks, you know, Bogdanovich, um, really kind of not playing Wiseman and Bagley at all. Like those are decisions that would help them win games, but they might trade half of those mm-hmm. veterans that could help them win games this year. So it's just going to be kind of a, a transition year for this club. Indiana Pacers, 35 wins a year ago. Number is 38 and a half. I, I don't feel great about this one, but the more I thought about it, I had to go over. Uh, I, I think most of, most of that is rooted in Tyrese Halliburton playing more games. They were on a 41 win pace with Tyrese Halliburton in the lineup last season. Uh, you know, not, not sweeping changes to this roster year over year, but I think bringing in Bruce Brown, he's a winning player. Uh, somebody who can help you win in the, in the regular season and the postseason. I do have still some questions up front because you, you can always pencil miles Turner in you know, to miss a month at some point, And they, they still don't have a ton of great depth behind him. Uh, but you bring in Obi Toppin, you know, Jairus Walker uh, should be a relatively high floor rookie. Uh, as far as those guys go up front. So, um, you know, Pacers to me are still very much in the play-in zone. I, I don't think they're going to like blow this one out of the water, but as long as Tyrese Halliburton stays healthy, I, I think they could do enough to approach 40 wins. Yeah, this is a good line uh, from Vegas, 38 and a half. Because uh, I, I, I just love the way this roster fits for the most part. I think it's going to be greater than the sum of its parts in part because of how much Halliburton makes everyone around him better. Uh, having Obi Toppin and Miles Turner together, like that's just such a perfect fit for Toppin to be able to be effective in his role. Uh, having a guy that can stretch out at the five and protect the rim, like that's just exactly what Obi Toppin needs to be able to be a 30 minute a game type of guy. And I think just having Turner and Toppin there to catch lobs from Halliburton, I just think it's going to be a lot of easy buckets. Um, I love the Bruce Brown edition, you know, Rick Carlisle's still a really good coach. Uh, they are going to be pushing, you know, I don't think this is a team that wants to get like a top 10 pick. I think this is a team that wants that experience in the play-in tournament. And uh, when they had Halliburton healthy last year, they were on pace to, to really, you know, kind of be like a 500 team basically. So I think the moves they made, the you know Halbert might take another small leap this year. Um, you have the Buddy Heald issue. I think his spacing is is huge for this team, but they they might move on from him. Mm. Uh, Benedict Matherin was really kind of brutal over the past over the like the final four months last year. So if he's just getting thirty minutes a game, even if he's being 
a negative player that could that could hurt them but i just i, I love Halliburton. i love the way that the pieces fit here too much not go over yeah the buddy heel thing does actually worry me and I, I know that doesn't seem like it should be that big of a deal but uh the, you know they don't, they don't have a ton of shooting yeah, outside of Buddy Hill, like Matherin would love to be that guy. He's not nearly as efficient. Uh, he's more of an oddball type of threat. Um, you know, we'll see on, on Obi Toppin. And, and of course, you know, again, Miles Turner has to stay mostly healthy. I mean, this was a bottom five defense last year. They were also the worst defensive rebounding team in the NBA. And I I, I guess Obi Toppin, in theory, helps that. I guess Jarris Walker kind of helps that. But I don't know that they really did a whole lot uh, to address that situation. It totally depends on the return with Buddy Hill. Like, if, you, if you're bringing back some, some decent veteran pieces – Great. If you're trading him for a protected first round pick, that doesn't really help you at all. It's a pretty big loss. I, I actually just looked this up for an article I was working on yesterday. Since Buddy Heald entered the league, he has played the most games by like 25 more than anybody else. And he's second in total made threes since the start of the 2016-17 season. So like, I think like every year he's, he's super underrated in fantasy. You know, he's always kind of a secondary guy, uh, but he's been super healthy, super reliable and you know, really, really effective from three. So if they do end up moving on from him, that is something that would change the calculus for me. But either way, organizational mandate, you know, winning head coach who has no interest in, in tanking this season. Uh, we like the over on 38 and a half for Indiana. All right. Uh, we got Miami, Milwaukee, the Knicks, Orlando, Philly, Toronto, and Washington left. Uh, so we'll, we'll try to buzz through the rest of these. Miami, 44 wins a year ago. 44 and a half is the number. I went back and forth on this one, James. We're both going over here. And for me, it's kind of like, I obviously Miami discovered something in the postseason, And I don't see this team, you know, kind of backtracking and reverting back to being this like borderline playing team in the regular season. I just think they, they kind of have a different confidence about them now, but you know, after all the Damian Lillard fallout, you could also make a case that this roster is not as deep and overall worse than it was last season. Yeah. I just, I'm going to bet on them. <clears throat> Like they're right in the spot where they sort of perform the best, where they're kind of counted out, overlooked. Uh, I think Jimmy Butler's just going to have a, a monster season. Um, I, I think the the fact that Duncan Robinson remembered how to shoot last year Huge. in the playoffs, uh, assuming that carries over, that's going to really help make up for the loss of Max Struess. Uh, Caleb Martin kind of, same thing. You know, I think we saw him break out a little bit uh, towards the end of last year. Um, and I just, I have faith in this team having guys that replace Gabe Vincent and Max Struess internally, uh, whether it's Haywood Highsmith, um, Nikola Jovic, Jaime Hawkes, whoever. Uh, they yeah. just, they're so good at turning these guys into quality role players. Well, I think Caleb Martin has to be talked about too. And, you know, it was somewhat of a like Cinderella run. It felt like in the playoffs, but I think there has to be some carry over there. And if you're yeah. basically asking him to just be a Max Struess, Gabe Vincent level player, I, I think that's in the cards. Um, so they, they, they kind of have this natural draft and develop system where it's just kind of a next man up. And, you know, I, I thought about like, you know, motivation in the regular season, like a team that's made a couple finals runs, you know, Jimmy Butler's never, you know, never a guy who's given you 75 games in the regular season, but for for this win total to be sitting at 44 and a half, like, you know, you don't want to go too far below that, right? Like this is still a team that doesn't want to be in the play-in. Uh, maybe they don't care if they're the, the three seed versus the six seed, but you know, if you start, if you start making the case for why they're going to go under 44 and a half, then you're basically saying this team is in grave right. danger of being in the play-in. So I, I think, I think there might be more of a push in the regular season this year than there was last year, just to avoid that fate. Yeah. I, 
Definitely agree. I, I think they finished top six, and I think they, they keep their foot on the gas all season. The Milwaukee Bucks, 58 wins a year ago. 53 and a half is the number. So they're coming in uh, just a bit below the Celtics, who are at 54 and a half. I, I really wanted to go under on one of these, James. I, I just couldn't quite get there. And uh, again, a lot of the same things that we brought up with Boston as far as wanting to keep pace with each other. I, I think those apply to Milwaukee as well. Um, obviously, we could say this about any team, especially the elite teams. If Giannis misses 40 games, then yeah, they're going to have trouble. Same with Damian Lillard, same with Chris Middleton. Uh, but if we're, if we're kind of assuming average health for all teams here, I, I think the Bucks do enough and get into the, I don't think they get to 60, but I, I think they get to 55 to 58. Yeah. I mean, I, I wouldn't rule out 60. I, I could see this team going on like a 15 game win streak or something like that at some point during the season. Um, I just think changing out the coach, you know, Boonholzer was a great regular season coach, but I just mm -hmm. think this team's going to be really kind of invigorated by having the new voice. Um, obviously Giannis had a, had a big thing or had a big part in picking Griffin as the coach. Um, but like, he's so excited. Uh, I think like the combination of him and Lillard, they're just going to win so many games by blowout and be able to rest guys like Chris Middleton and Giannis without having to sit them. Um, mm -hmm. I just think it's, it's going to be a, you know, they could have the number one offense in the league this year. Um, and then I think just regular season wise, like the types of flaws that we're pointing to with, with the defensive, especially like the backcourt and the wing, those could pop up <clears throat> in a big way against the Celtics in a playoff series. But I don't think those are issues that are really going to show up in the regular season, especially when you have Brooke and Giannis back there. Um, I think Jay Crowder's really motivated. I think Pat Connaughton's really motivated. I think Malik Beasley's really motivated. Um, so I just I think this is going to be a, a monster regular season team. Yeah, the, the one player who does worry me health wise is Lopez. And again, we can make that case for for any player around the league. But you know, I think last year was the absolute best case scenario as mm -hmm. far as a a big man in his mid to late thirties coming off of back surgery and giving you seventy eight games. You know, I, mm -hmm. I just I don't think you can count on that again. And if Brook Lopez plays 50 games, then there might be some trouble. Now, they, they did add a little bit of depth. I, I think they can survive you know, weeks at a time without Brook Lopez. Obviously, if it's something bigger, uh, that's going to be an issue. But I, I, don't, I don't really have a problem with the, the depth that Milwaukee swapped out in order to get Lillard. I think you make that deal 100 out of 100 times. You know, Malik Beasley, we'll see. I, I think he's actually going to be a good fit. Uh, obviously, flamed out with the Lakers, kind of lost his ability to shoot in the postseason. But... I think they're just going to ask him to do one thing, and that is hit wide open threes in the corner. And he's pretty capable of doing that. Uh, you're right on Jay Crowder. You know, you kind of forget he barely even played in the postseason. I don't know what was going on there. I don't think he was really a bug guy. Uh, there was actually a good piece last week in the Journal Sentinel. I think it was Jim Oswarski uh, just wrote about the the different feel that this team had. And there's a quote from Jay Crowder who, you know, in so many words was like, "Yeah, this is way better than last year." Like I, he basically <laughs> said there was no competition. Uh, I think he described it as a country club atmosphere at practice where guys weren't pushing each other. You know, there's kind of a lot of coasting um, and you know, a lot of emphasis on the games as opposed to promoting that competition in practice. And, you know, the, the, the Oswarski piece had like four or five quotes and you could tell like guys were guys are refocused. Guys are hyped. Yeah. And, I, you know, you can only read so far into that. But I, I think if this team just has average health this season, then, yeah, they, they could easily be a 60, 61 win team. Yep. All right, five more. The New York Knicks, 45 and a half is the number. They were a 47-win team last year. 
Uh, I was a little surprised to look this up, James. Uh, according to their Pythagorean win-loss, they were actually one win below what they were expected to be. So you know, Pythagorean says they were a 48-win team. They won 47. I, this was actually one of my easier overs. I I don't really see the case for why they take a step back unless you want to make the you know the, the injury case. But this is also a team that is kind of built around guys who play a ton of games, like Jalen Brunson, very healthy. Julius Randle has been one of the healthiest players in terms of total games played throughout his entire career. Same with RJ Barrett. Um, obviously they did not make a big splashy addition unless you want to count Dante DiVincenzo, but I, I have a hard time you know, seeing why they can't replicate what they did in the regular season last year. Yeah, I, it wasn't as easy for me. Um, you know, Julius Randall seem, you know, he seems to be kind of an every other year kind of guy. Um, so if he's, if he has the same type of regression he had after that 2020 season, that could be a way that they they go under, um, but man, I mean, I think they they just have so much quality depth, especially in the backcourt and on the wing. And you know, Mitchell Robinson is is a really really solid. Uh, just the way he impacts rebounding mm-hmm. on both ends is is huge. Um, the fact that Tom Thibodeau is going to play these guys as many minutes as he can. Uh, points towards them going over as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I, I just I felt I had to go over. I do kind of have, um, I don't know, like a a gut feeling that that something could could go under here, um, just given how many good teams there are in the East and how competitive it's going to be. But I do think on paper it's tough to make a a strong case for the under. I think this team is just built to win regular season games. They still have yeah. a they have a very defined ceiling to me. I don't consider them even yeah. a dark horse title contender, but I, yeah. I think this team is you know, and much like the Cavs, like they're they're going to push for regular season wins. Like I, I think you know if the Knicks have a chance to win fifty games, I mean that would be massive for them. And I, I don't know if they mm-hmm. quite get to that level, but um, I, I think winning in the regular season does matter to this franchise. It certainly matters to Tom Thibodeau. Um, you know, and, and again, every player at the top of their rotation has been highly durable, which matters a ton when you're just talking about regular season wins, the question to me is, can they actually become a good defensive team? Because you know they were, I think they were third in offense, 19th in defense. That is not emblematic of a typical Tibbs team. And I, I think getting a full season of Josh Hart will help, but he can't single-handedly, you know, drag you into the top 10. So I'm interested to see if they can actually, you know, become a, even a top 15 defensive team after what we saw last year. Yeah. I mean, I think having Obi Toppin out of there uh, probably helps in that respect a little bit as well. Um, there's kind of a clear front court hierarchy. Um, but yeah, I mean, that is, it is a little surprising. I mean, it, maybe Grimes plays even more and that helps defensively. Yeah. Um, you would, you would expect them to be closer to just kind of like mid pack, um, right. or maybe even a little bit higher than mid pack defensively. All right. The Orlando magic, James 34 wins a year ago, 37.5 is the number also known as 37 and a half. We're both going under on this one. Uh, I wish there was some more dissension and we'll, we'll get to a couple where we're going head to head down the stretch here, but I, I'm not quite buying it with Orlando. I, I, I understand the reasoning. I understand the rationale, but I, I, I feel like Orlando is just kind of like a slightly more advanced version of the Pistons to me. Yeah. I mean, I think the, the roster makes quite a bit more sense to me than than the Pistons roster, but I, I see your point. Like, I don't think this is sort of Thunder East or anything like that no, in terms no, of like no. a young nucleus or anything. Um, 
and part of the problem is just the guard play is so shaky. Uh, guys like Franz Wagner and Paulo Bancaro just don't get put in enough positions to succeed regularly enough uh, to kind of get the most out of those guys. Um, Fultz is, you know, he's good for what he is, but really hurts your spacing. Uh, Cole Anthony's good for what he is, but really hurts your defense. Um, I just, you know, Jalen Suggs, Anthony Black, like both going to be pretty massive negatives on offense. Mm -hmm. Um, I just don't, I don't think the, the talent is here just given how competitive everything's going to be. Like I, I love Bancaro. I love Wagner, but, and I I think Wendell Carter is a really nice center to pair with those guys. But, um, you know, they kind of remind me a little bit of the nets actually, uh, where I, I like, I like the front court. I like the way the front court fits long-term, but I just have so many questions about the back court. And I think the back court's going to kind of hold back the rest of the team. Yeah. It makes sense. They have the same number as the nets. Uh, you know, the, the thing that kind of held me back a little bit is, is the bad Carroll factor. It's like coming off of team USA. Like if he, if he takes a huge leap, then this team could easily get to 40 wins. Like I, I think mm-hmm. he could be that good and, and that dominant, but I, I don't love the rest of the roster. You know, I, again, like Fultz, it feels like Fultz is playing a lot better than he was because he is, but he's still, you know, he's still like basically a 30% shooter at best from three. That that does hurt you. We'll see on Jalen Suggs. I mean, he's, he's been hurt. He, he hasn't been a great shooter at all either. I mean, he's struggling to even get close to 40% from the field, let alone from three. So I, I kind of view it as like a two and a half man team with Becaro, Wagner, and then Wendell Carter, who it's, I, I, I like what he's been so far, but he's also a 57 game player. Basically like every year he's had some sort of injury that wipes him out for 20 to 25 games and they, they don't have a ton of depth behind him. I don't really consider Jonathan Isaac to be anything. I mean, you know, whatever games you get from him is a bonus. Uh, you know, their big addition this off season was Joe Ingles. I thought he was terrible for the bucks and looked pretty washed up. So I'm not sure he really brings much. And then, you know, you add two more young pieces and Anthony black and Jet Howard jury's out. No idea if those guys will be good. I, I don't think either of them make a, a overwhelmingly positive impact in year one. No, I, I don't think so. Um, I think this team eventually is going to need to find a way to get like a real high, high level guard in there, uh, whether they're picking high in the draft and get the right guy, or they trade some pieces and future picks for a guy or something like that. I just, the, the roster is incomplete right now. The Philadelphia 76ers, James, 54 wins last year, 48 and a half is the number this year. You're going over. I made a last second switch to the under. I want to debate this one. <laughs> uh, but five and so five and a half wins lower, basically six wins, we'll say. Um, you know, they, they bring in Nick Nurse. I, I think you know some of the uncertainty around James Harden uh, is certainly at play here. But uh, where would this number have been for you to, to go under? Like, well, just getting that six win discount, that was enough? To go under, you know, I think if it was like 50, this is actually one of the ones I feel best about in the really? East. Okay. So it would, it would have to be probably 51 and a half, something like that for me to go under. Uh, I, just, I, I, I feel like there's like a, a possible implosion factor here where well, like, if things go wrong, things could go very wrong. You know, I don't, I don't trust Nick Nurse explicitly but i do think at his best he's a really good coach and a, and a better coach probably than doc rivers although doc rivers i think gets underrated as a regular season coach but um I, honestly i would go over here if you just told me they were sending james harden home for the year um i think the only way the harden thing specifically takes this under 
is if he's just costing them games on purpose in an effort to get out of there, which I wouldn't rule out, but there's just so much incentive for this team to put together a, a competent season where they've got home court advantage in the first round. You know, they got to keep Joel Embiid happy. Um, <clears throat> and they're trying to use cap space next year to sign possibly two really pricey guys you don't attract those players if you're coming off a year where you're like 44 and and 38 um so i think they they just there's there's so much riding on them being a good team um they're not going to win the title this year obviously i I think they're going to get waxed by boston or milwaukee barring just massive injury issues uh but i think tyrese maxey is going to be you know, good enough to be like a, a, a low level all-star um, on a per minute basis, at least. Mm-hmm. So maybe I'm putting too much into maxi kind of really breaking out. Um, maybe I'm putting a little too much into just the internal incentives here, but like think how pissed off Joel Embiid's going to be if he stays, you know, he, he's obviously going to miss some time, but if you just kind of have normal Joel Embiid yeah. health, and this team goes under this, he's not going to be very happy heading into next offseason. I, I guess the question to me is, does that motivate him to drag this team to 52 wins or does he sulk and it makes things worse, right? Like that's that's kind of where I, I come in on like, if this goes wrong, it can go really wrong. Um, and you know, it, it, to me, it kind of depends on Harden too. Like if, if Harden is engaged and even if he's on this team for half of the year and stays relatively healthy, I, I think that's a, it's a net plus for the Sixers. If they... If, if this goes sour three weeks in and they have to trade them for 70 cents on the dollar, I think that makes them a worse team, even if it adds a little bit more depth to this roster. But I, I'm not, I'm not the biggest Terrence Mann guy. I don't know what, you know, what the Clippers are sending that really, you know, gives Philly this massive boost. Um, you know, health wise, you're always going to worry about it. B that's, that's part of it for me too. It's like a 66 games last year, you know, winning the MVP. That was kind of a best case season for me. Like I, I don't see him going up another level in terms of games played or in terms of production, you could also argue the opposite for Tyrese Maxey. You played 60 games. Like he'll, he'll probably be, you know, 70 to, to 75 in the best case. So maybe that offsets, but um, I don't know. I, I do think at 48 and a half, the over is probably the smart play, but I, I wanted to at least, you know, show some faith uh, in the under here because I, I think things could go wrong here. And I, I do, I, I just wonder like post MVP MB, like, all right, what's the motivation now? Especially if he, if he gets the sense early on, like we're not in the same league as, as Milwaukee or Boston, I just, I don't know. Does Philly make some sort of sweeping change on the fly? I, I, I just think this team is at kind of a very weird crossroads where I don't see a true path to contending for the title, but internally they feel like they have to contend for the title. Yeah. <clears throat> um, you know, if, if, if Embiid were to get like, say he missed 18 games at some point in the first half of the season, then things could really kind of swing in that direction where, yeah you know, you're just, the writing's clearly on the wall. This is going to be kind of a lost season anyway, just kind of lean into it. Yes. Um, but I do think there's, even if they just got like Norman Powell and, uh, Robert Covington and like a pick or something, I, I think they go over just from a talent standpoint. I think there's enough depth there. Like, are you, am I too, like how high are you on maxi? Like if, if Harden's out of the pick, like, do you think he's the type of guy who could be the second best player 
next to Joel Embiid on a 50 win team? Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah. Especially if you're assuming that you're bringing in, you know, guys who boot, like bolster your four through seven in the rotation. It's like, can he be the second best player on a title team in this era of the NBA? No, but I think he could be the second best player on a 50 win team. Yeah. 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 That's, okay. that's kind of where I'm at. All right. Let's finish up here with the Raptors and the Wizards. Toronto, 41 wins a year ago. Uh, they said goodbye to Fred Van Vliet. We got a new coach in Toronto. The number is down at 36 and a half, James. We are both going under on the Toronto Raptors. Uh, this one for me came down to, you know, I, I think this is a team that could change directions on the fly. And I, I think you lose some of the year-to-year reliability without Nick Nurse. Uh, same could be said for, for not having Fred Van Vliet. I'm a little skeptical of Dennis Schroeder just, just stepping in and giving this team 30-plus minutes every night. Um, and, you know, Siakam, Ananobi, Barnes, Pirtle, I like that as a top four. Beyond that, there's there's not a ton here. And, you know, they've, they've been so heavily reliant on, like, their top six guys for the last few years that, you know, all of a sudden if you're asking Malachi Flynn or, you know, even, I don't know, like Chris Boucher, Precious Achiwa, guys have been in the rotation, but you're asking more of them now. I, I don't know that those guys are going to be quite ready and. Uh, I think Toronto is a team that's going to go into the season with every intent to try to get the five, six, seven seed in the East. I don't know if that happens. And if they get off to a rocky start, I think they will be more willing than ever, you know, to consider not a full, you know, teardown where you're winning 15 games next season. Uh, but I think they will consider retooling this team on the fly. I think I do know that that's not going to happen. Um, I just, I look at the starting roster or starting lineup, you know, I assume Dennis Schroeder's starting at point guard. Uh, I don't know who else would. I assume they're not bringing any of Ananobi, Barnes, or Siakam off the bench. And I assume they're starting Jakob Pertl at center. And if they're starting those five guys, that is far, far, far and away the worst shooting team in the league from a starting lineup standpoint. And yes. like Fred Van Vliet, he's, he's not perfect in many ways. But one thing he did do was space the floor. I uh, got up a ton of threes. Um, and I just look at this, like this, the floor they're going to play on offensively is just going to be so shrunken. There's just no reason to guard any of these guys beyond the arc. And if Dennis Schroeder is like some combination of Dennis Schroeder, Scotty Barnes, Pascal Siakam as your lead ball handler with a, a shrunken floor and no spacing, it's just going to be really, really ugly to me offensively. Uh, I mean, I, I know it was last year and they still went over this, but like, I think just losing Van Vliet is, is really going to just hurt the the spacing for, for the starting lineup. Obviously Gary Trent can shoot Grady Dick can shoot. Those guys are probably going to be negative defenders when they're out there. Uh, I don't think Masai Ujiri has a, a good plan here. Um, if they trade Pascal Siakam, I assume they're getting less talent in the door to help this year's team. Mm. If they don't trade Pascal Siakam, I think the players might even kind of give up on this team. When you just keep running it back without upgrading the roster and you keep getting the same results, it's kind of like, what are you doing? Um, mm. Like, I don't see OG Ananobi being happy 50 games into this season. Uh Pascal Siakam is going to be trying so hard to make an all NBA team to try to qualify for the super max. He's probably going to be doing that at the expense of what Scotty Barnes wants to do and what OG Ananobi wants to do. I just, I think it's going to be a mess. 
I think you're right. I think the Raptors have got the benefit of the doubt because of how well they've they've been managed. And I, I think letting Van Vliet go and just not really replacing him with anybody meaningful is is going to we're going to see the effects of that immediately. Right? Like Dennis Schroeder, fine backup if you want to call him that. He's he should not be playing 30 to 35 minutes like he very well could be for this team. I will say that the Raptors do owe a protected first round pick to the Jazz, top 10 protected. So I I think initially there will be some motivation to avoid that. But top 10 protected is a lot different than top two protected, right? Like you can, you can pretty much guarantee that you're keeping that pick right. if you're bad enough. So the, the thing is like, if they're, if things aren't going well, like they, they want to get, they want to make sure they're not only in the bottom 10, but you want to be in like the bottom five or six to, to make yeah. sure that the odds are in your favor for keeping that pick. So I, I think that's, that's a motivational point that could kind of go either way, depending on how those first 30, 40 games go. But it, it's hard for me to, to see the Raptors as a, a team that's 10 games above 500 at the 40 game mark. Yeah. I, I just think, that the top 10 protected pick it would be I, there's no way they have enough talent on this roster no. to be kind of comfortably over that that bar to me around the trade deadline um i just this is this is one of my favorite bets i think okay glad we're on the same page there let's finish out with the wizards we're split on this one low number lowest number uh, i think of any team this season including the western conference which again we'll get to uh, on a later episode prior to opening night Wizards won 35 games last year. The number, James, is all the way down at 23 and a half. You are going over. I will be taking the under on the Wizards. Yeah, so I just, I think they have, um, you know, I think it's it's right that they have the lowest over-under in the conference. Um, but I, you know, maybe. Like, I, I could see them winning more games than the Pistons. Um, and I just think, the, the lottery odds, there's not going to be enough of an incentive for them to do anything crazy to get under this. Like, I think that this is kind of like a 28 win team to me on paper. And I think if they win 28 games, they're still going to have a, a shot at the number one pick. Mm-hmm. And uh, it kind of reminds me a little bit of like Utah last year where everyone sort of knows what direction the franchise is headed. So everyone's just like, well, under, of course, they're going to go under. But they've got like real NBA players yeah. all over this roster. Like I think Tyus Jones is a is a really good caretaker. Like, you know, he's not going to do anything that's going to drag you down. Um, always one of the best assist to turnover guys in the league. Uh, and then even when he's out of the game, like Delon Wright's a, a solid backup point guard. Um, like I think Jordan Poole and Kyle Kuzma playing in games that mean absolutely nothing are going to have very solid statistical seasons. Um, you know, I just, I think there's, there's too much just rotation caliber players on this team to think that they're just going to be one of these all time bad teams. Yeah. It's funny you bring up the jazz thing because that's, that's exactly what gave me the most pause. It's like I was all over the jazz under last year for basically the reasons that you laid out. And I, I do think there will be, there will definitely be a stretch this season, whether it's at the beginning of the year or in the middle of the season or toward the end where we, we see the wizards play really well for like three weeks and we say, yeah, there, there actually is a lot of talent on this team. U- ultimately though, over the course of 82 games, I, I still think this is, I mean, this right there with Detroit. I think Detroit actually might be worse, but I think both teams could finish under 20 wins. I actually went and looked back today over the last 15 years, almost every year there's been two or three teams that finish at 20 wins or less. 2006, 2007 was the last time that every single team in the league won more than 20 games. Um, so, you know, certainly Portland, Houston, San Antonio, they're all in this conversation as well. We're not just talking about the Eastern Conference, but I, I think this is 
for sure a bottom three roster. And again, there will be times where, where things click. I think having someone like Tyus Jones running the show is massive. Um, you could do a lot worse than that for a team in their position. But like Kyle Kuzma, Jordan Poole, those guys as your top two options, that worries me a ton. How much do they try to play Bilal Koulibaly? Who, you know, I, I want to see what he is, but probably not going to be anything close to a winning player. Uh, you know, a lot of their kind of late lottery, mid first round picks are, have just kind of been blah so far. Johnny Davis, Corey Kispert, uh, Denny Avdia, guys like that. And I think defensively, I mean, this team could be a disaster. Like, I, I like Daniel Gafford as a shot blocker. Um, you know, Tyus Jones has always been a, a solid defender, but like the pool of Kuzma combination, dude, like, I don't know, man. Like, this, 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 this is like a, it's like a throwback, like, like duo that you would see in like 2008, you know, like a Corey Maggetti <laughs> and Karan Butler or something. Yeah. I mean, you make, it's bad. you make a lot of, you make a lot of good points. I just, I don't know. I, it doesn't strike me as just this incredibly incompetent roster that I typically associate with like a, 20 win team but yeah no, I um, when you wait the the point you made about just how rare it is to not have a team win fewer than 20 games like to me i think like the pistons and the trailblazers to me are the other two teams that are kind of in this mix um mm-hmm. and yeah i guess i wonder just how likely it is mathematically that you know if, if no team wins more than say 55 56 games yeah, I, I don't know. It it's tough, but I I just this is kind of a I can't I can't picture a Tyus Jones run team being <laughs> a complete laughing stock. But I could picture make it through the season on the roster. That's the other thing. It's like there's there's teams are going to be calling Washington trying to pluck some of these guys. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. I I do think it's nice to have a guy like that on a rebuilding team just to make yeah. sure everyone's getting the ball in the right places and stuff like that. And uh yeah, I mean you're you're doing a pretty good sell job here on on the under. Um, yeah, I wish All it I was say was Pool Kuzma. <laughs> yeah. What's well, what's the over under by the way on Jordan Pool forty point games? But if I if I said six and a half, what would you say? I'll go under six and a half. I'll go okay. over three and a half. Okay, all right. So we're um, we're a little bit apart on the line, but yeah. So there's going to be a lot of fun nights. Like I, I actually am excited to see this team. I think there's going to be a lot of nights where it looks really bad. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I love Tyus Jones. Like I, for Tyus Jones, I want this to go over. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I am, I am kind of picturing like, like who does this team just put Denny Avdia on whoever the other team's best wing scorer is? Like, is that, I don't know, that, man. Well, they, they got Gallinari, maybe throw him out there. Like that, the defense is going to be very, very, very bad. Very bad. You know, who, who guards LeBron? Who guards Kevin Durant? Who guards Giannis? <laughs> they don't have anybody. Like, is it Koulibaly? No, I, I think Koulibaly, I don't think Koulibaly is going to play that much this year. Um, I think, I think that's kind of a multi-year type of thing here. Um, like, I think they're going to give guys like Avdia and Kispert a ton of minutes, especially early, just to kind of see if any of these guys show anything mm-hmm. like that might factor into their long-term plan. I think you're right. And I don't think that leads to a lot of wins. Like point, point guard is really the only position where they have like, Decent depth. You know, like DeLon Wright could be the backup point guard for just about any team. Obviously, Poole can slide over and play some point guard. But it's like, you know, there's not even anybody when you look at, like, the depth on the wing that you could say, all right, I could see that guy, you know, hanging with Kevin Durant. It's like, it's just, it's a mix of, like, random veterans, uh, like, like, Avdia, Kispert, Gallinari. And then you're getting into, like, borderline G-leaguers. You know, like Patrick Baldwin. Yeah. Like, they've, they've kind of taken chances on some guys. Mike Muscala. Um, I, I don't love it. I don't love it. Um, but anyway, we, we will see how that one plays out. Uh, you are going 
over on 23 and a half. I am taking the under. It is a low number. You never feel great about it. Uh, James, this was fun. Part one, though. We, we've still got a whole nother uh, episode coming at you. Uh, not quite sure when we'll record that one, but it will be before opening night next Tuesday. We'll hit the Western Conference. James, want to thank you for taking the time and looking forward to hitting the West. Yeah, thanks for having me. West will be fun. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.